Welcome to the Faux 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 76ers podcast on the Pulse Podcast Network. Coming up after the break, we have a special guest joining us. I'd like to welcome Brandon Robinson to our podcast. Most of you may know him on Twitter as Scoop B. How's it going? Man, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. How are you? Pretty good. I appreciate you jumping on. This is like our fifth podcast, and to get someone like you on is uh, it's kind of a big get for us. <laughs> Man, I'm honored because I'm still Brandon. I still put my pants leg on one leg at a time and tie my <laughs> shoes like everybody else. I don't walk on water yet. So thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks. So uh, kind of a crazy last week or so, especially the last 48 hours of the trade deadline, huh? Uh, I'd say so. I, I'm I'm glad that I was able to sleep in, and uh, but definitely your 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 Philadelphia 76ers are made out quite well. Yeah, I I think so. I, I was I was trying to think back, and I, I'm a couple years older than you, but can you remember a deadline like this in recent memory? Um, yeah, I remember the 2000. I think it was 2000 or 2001 when Theo Ratliff and Dikembe Mutombo were traded for each other. I remember Ernie and Kenny on TNT just rattling off a ton of different trades. Um, I don't remember specifically what players were being traded, but I remember that particular trade deadline in February being such a big deal. But, I mean, the magnitude of this is was is, is incomparable. I believe 34 players were moved to different teams. Um, I'm just happy Michael Beasley's able to keep his same apartment in L.A. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's it's funny that you bring up that trade because that was the last one that I went back to. That was a big trade for the Sixers. Obviously, that was the year that uh, the Sixers went to the to the finals against the Lakers and lost four to one. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's it. That's a big memory for me. I was about twenty years old, and that was the the Iverson step over game against Ty Lue for the first game of the, the playoffs. I mean, that team was fun to watch, and that trade that Theo had gotten hurt, so they kind of had to make a move and uh, bring in Dikembe, who was still. He was maybe just just past his defensive prime, but was still a force to be reckoned with. Was that was that was one that I had thought of too. Oh yeah. Well we're on the same page and man, you are older than me, but you know, Aaliyah said it best. Age ain't nothing but a number. Yeah, exactly. They uh so the the big trade obviously for the Sixers was the Tobias Harris, the Bobon and Mike Scott for Chandler, Mescala, Shamit, first round lottery protected pick. The Miami first unprotected and two two second round picks. I mean, that was a, a lot of assets moving too. Oh, for sure. Um, I, I think that that move uh, definitely uh, secures the bag for them. Um, in case Jimmy Butler doesn't resign, although I think he does, um, but I but I do think that um, it kind of kind of came out of nowhere uh, because that 2019 pick from I believe it was from Miami. Uh, was something that was being tossed around uh, for a potential uh, move for to bring Drew Holiday back to Philadelphia. But that move with with, with, with uh, Tobias was a better move. A guy legitimately that was looking like an all-star uh, in Detroit last season and then moved to the Clippers, um, an East Coast guy from Dix Hill, uh, New York, on Long Island in Suffolk County. Um, and, I, and I've seen him grow over the years. You've seen flashes of it during his time in Orlando. You've seen flashes of it in L.A. But him being an East Coast guy closer to home, um, I, I think he'll be fine. Um, and I think Philadelphia definitely upgrades their their roster uh, in a in a more competitive Eastern Conference. That t- even Toronto got better in adding Marcus All and losing Jonas Valanciunas. But um, yeah, man, I, I like what the Sixers have done, um, and I still think that there's a little work to do. But I, I think once they gel, they'll be all right. I think they're still growing in, in the Jimmy Butler move, and you know, 
Markel Fultz is out of there as well. We didn't. I guess we'll talk about that later in the program. But yeah, the Sixers did well at the draft deadline, or excuse me, at the trade deadline. Yeah, they I, they had they seem to be more balanced as a rotation now. Um, to me, Chandler and Mike Scott are they're kind of a push. They're they're very similar defensively, and so I think you're going to get about the same out of Mike Scott as you would have out of Wilson Chandler. They're not going to ask him to do as much because he doesn't have to start like Chandler did. Um, Boban is a backup five. Basically, they're trading Tobias Harris for Shamit's minutes, and uh, Shamit, as great as he was as a rookie, was still a rookie. I mean, they're not; it's they're in completely different echelons. Tobias Harris and Landry Shamit. And that's not a knock on Shamit, but I mean, Tobias Harris, I think, is a really underrated three-point shooter. Uh, I don't think a lot of people realize how good he's been the last two years. And he's a fan favorite uh, in Philly, the same way Zubac was a fan favorite in L.A. Right. Damn it, we're talking about. Yes, yes. Um, they, they also, they weren't done there. They made a couple other moves. They picked up James Ennis for swap rights of a second-round pick. And then, as you, you started talking about, they traded Markel Fultz for Jonathan Simmons, an OKC first-round pick that was heavily protected, and the second-round pick. Let's start with the easy one. Do you like Ennis and Simmons coming off the bench to – kind of solidify the, those bench minutes where they were a little weaker before at the wing position. Yeah, I do like it. I definitely think you need to come playoff time. Uh, you you, you want to get some guys to spell uh, Ben Simmons, even if, you know, at certain points in the game. He's a playmaker, uh, arguably, but, you know, there are times where he can become the scoring option in ways maybe Jimmy can if you're resting Jimmy. So you have options coming off the bench. Um, and I think that for Philadelphia, their bench has been an issue. I think, you know, Wilson Chandler being injured right before uh, the trade deadline, you wondered about what he'd be able to bring coming back. You, uh, you, you even look at how they drafted uh, Zaire Smith. Uh, Zaire Smith was supposed to be this guy that was supposed to give you, you know, uh, big time minutes. And, you know, that that hasn't panned out. So I think that that the, the Sixers have definitely upgraded their bench. Uh, in the Eastern Conference, particularly in the Atlantic Division, a bench that impresses me is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I'd be willing to argue that the Sixers uh, might give the Nets a run for their money in the Atlantic Division in the second half of the season if we're comparing benches. Uh, but, you know, the Nets and Sixers are definitely in two different categories long term. Uh, you're legitimately competing with the Celtics, and who will most likely add in this canter uh, once the buyout situation is, is, is finalized. And uh, you, you look at the Celtics and uh, they'll get better in the second half of the season, I believe. I, they'll play more of a, a substantiated style and brand of basketball. But really and truly, I think the two teams that won at the at the deadline is are, are both the, in the Eastern Conference, are both the Toronto Raptors as well as the Philadelphia 76ers. I'm impressed. Yeah, and then and then of course there's the the your opinion on moving on from Fultz. I I, I always liked Markel. I, I I thought he was a like he was a genuinely good kid and. I loved him at Washington. I mean, he was, I thought he was unbelievable. I, I used to stay up late just to watch those Washington games just because he was so much fun to watch. Uh, and, and it's really a shame that he couldn't get it together here. Um, but I, I also understand that they kind of had to move on because the timelines just don't match up. They're, they're trying to compete now and he just couldn't get on the court and it's understandable. Well, I don't know if you've been paying attention to my reports before the trade deadline, but I was one of the uh, I, I was actually the person who uh, reported that Markel Fultz uh, had a, a, some type of a BMX or motorcycle accident uh, that 
messed up his shooting shoulder. Right. And, uh, that situation rumored uh, for some time and was verified by a reliable source. Um, kind of in addition to that and the way that he was moving the basketball or, or shooting the basketball, um, kind of just made people scratch their heads a lot. And I'll add that, you know, once Jimmy Butler came to Philadelphia in that trade, uh, his minutes were going to be diminished a lot. And it, it was, I, I have to credit Elton Brand for the way he handled that situation as the general manager. I think that the two defining moves uh, that started his, his regime uh, with the 76ers was draft or training to get Jimmy Butler and how he managed the controversy that was Markel Fultz. Uh, and he kind of carried that over to the trade deadline. They say that he was screaming all night, scared money don't make no money. <laughs> and uh, he, he went out and made that trade for Tobias Harris. So, you know, they say a Duke guy can can, can keep a, a gig in the NBA forever, ever, forever, ever. And he's definitely uh, proving that, that, that rumor or that, that, that belief to be true. Yeah, I mean, he, he's really, Elton Brand's a really impressive guy. Just listening to him in his interviews and, Whenever he talks, he's he's very forward thinking and he's think you can tell that he's planning three and four steps ahead. And, and it's for what walking in for his first year as a general manager in the NBA and to be able to pull off these moves, it takes some guts uh, because it it could go great or it, it could have gone. It could have burned in a in a fiery meteor coming hitting earth. Yeah. I think he's doing the right thing, man. And uh, I think uh, for years to come, if the Sixers do this right, they'll be all right. So the like you said, you see, you, you like their the Sixers move. You like Toronto, the Raptors move. I really like the Marcus Saul move. I have some close friends that they're season ticket holders in Toronto, and and they were pretty excited. Uh, I think Marcus Saul balances that lineup really well. Um, uh, like long, I don't, they're obviously a team that's not looking long term. They're looking for right now. Um, but where do you think this puts the Sixers in the Eastern Conference? Is it still you think the top four there are still bunched in Indiana? I, unfortunately, because of the Old Depot injury, I think I think Indiana is going to slowly may fade away a little bit. I don't know if they have the firepower come playoff time to stay with these other four teams, but it, it'll be interesting. They are a nice, well balanced team themselves. Um. This is what I'll tell you. Number one, we didn't know we got Drake and Meek all over again. Um, Philly versus Toronto. I think when you look at the situation with Philadelphia, it's easy to say um, that Philadelphia is looking good, but Toronto's been consistent the first ha- first half of the season. Um, as I mentioned previously, that the the the, uh, the Boston Celtics will get it together in the second half of the season. I think that they'll be pretty hyped, particularly. Um, because they really kicked it in second gear or in high gear in the second half of the season last year in the absence of both Kyrie Irving uh, and Gordon Hayward. I think that, excuse me, I think that the Boston Celtics are still trying to figure each other out, you know, because now Jason Tatum, <clears throat> who hasn't been consistent, um, I think the most consistent person on that roster was Mar- has been Marcus Smart uh, this season, in my opinion. And, and I feel like, Gordon Hayward, who was supposed to be that that one-two punch with Kyrie Irving, is reassessing his role with that team. Is is Jason Tatum the second guy in command, or is it Gordon Hayward? And I think, or and I think also, um, when you look at uh, Al Horford, Al Horford, you know, is, is a guy that 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 is the leader of that team, but but 
at least in age and, and vocally or privately, but that is Kyrie Irving's team. I think that's a lot to digest. It's kind of like the Portland Trailblazers in the early or, or, or almost mid-2000s where you had all these names on one team, but they couldn't get past the Los Angeles Lakers. I hope that that's not the, 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 the testimony that the Boston Celtics will have when you look at what they've had 10 years later and say, man, only if they could have. Um, so I, I think to, to go to your, your initial question, I like what Kawhi Leonard's doing. I like that they added Danny Green. And I also think Nick Nurse is, is a very underrated head coach in the NBA. Um, and he's been able to really, really uh, make these, make this team successful. And adding Marc Gasol um, was just the icing on the cake. And I think adding Marc Gasol will allow um, Serge Ibaka to play like OKC Serge Ibaka again. So, uh, and I think that'll, I think that's really going to be the, the main thing for Toronto is if they can get uh, Gasol and Ibaka on the court together and playing well together. And I think, I think Toronto had a little bit of tough time with uh, Jonas Valanciunas and Ibaka playing together sometimes. I think that's why they split them up this year. And I think that worked for those two. But, but I think Gasol being able to uh, jump out to the three point line and hit some shots out there will, will, uh, improve their spacing. I'm curious to see if if they've diminished their rotation a little bit without Van Fleet and C.J. Miles, if that's going to hurt them or if they're going to be able to keep rolling because they have been so deep anyway. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting, man. I can say that at the very least. be very, very, very interesting. And then um, uh, what do you think the chances of – there's a lot of talk on sports radio in Philadelphia of who's the perfect – the perfect buyout candidate for the Sixers now. And I think there's some talk of uh, to look for a, a backup point guard is probably the, the weakest point right now, even though McConnell's a nice, he's okay, but athletically uh, you can't have him out there against the Kyrie Irving or, or some, or, or Kyle Lowry. It's just in the playoffs. It's just not going to work. Um, there was some talk about potentially Patrick Beverly getting bought out in the by the Clippers. Any chance of that? I don't know about uh, Patrick Beverly. I've heard the rumors. I don't have any intel on that. Uh, I think that Jeremy Lin is a guy that's been rumored to, to be bought out, but I think a perfect person for the Philadelphia 76ers would be Jamal Crawford. Sources say that there's interest still there. Yeah, that, that would be kind of interesting. That would The question would be, is there enough basketballs to go around at that point? <laughs> Yeah, I watched uh, Jamal play against the Brooklyn Nets in December, and there were times in the game where he was the point guard um, and, and, and was distributing and was getting people involved. And this was on a, a night of a back-to-back. Um, but I, I think that that Phoenix Suns team was a team that took a chance on him right before training camp started. And um, I, I think he deserves more. I think he deserves to be in a winning situation. Uh, I've gone on record and said this, that, you know, had uh, – had, uh, Jared Bayless not been under contract the way he was in, in, the, in the previous Sixers regime under Colangelo. Um, uh, that contract was what was preventing uh, Jamal Crawford uh, from joining the 76ers. And, um, you know, he had to go elsewhere. But the Sixers wanted him. They just couldn't move Jared Bayless's contract. Now Jared Bayless is gone and the Sixers may have the room to do it. Yeah, I, I, I think that's it's kind of a frustrating thing sometimes that some veterans like, like a Jamal Crawford uh, end up having to go to a team like Phoenix when they still have something to give to a competitive team. And I know you could take a, a leadership role and go there, but I really think he could aid a, a playoff team. I mean, he, there's one, that guy, I think he's going to be 50 years old and he's still going to be able to put up buckets against NBA players. 
The ageless wonder. Yeah. So, uh, going beyond this season, you you still think Butler and Harris both resign, or you think that uh, personally, I think Harris is a perfect fit for Simmons and Embiid, and I think he's kind of looking for a place to call home and not to get keep getting shipped around. So even this quickly, I think there's a better chance that Harris stays than Butler stays. But I think as long as everything goes well, uh, Butler will probably stay. Also, what are your I thoughts can see on that? Both, I can see them both staying. Um, and if Butler doesn't stay, I think that the Clippers will be intriguing as as well as um, uh, the Brooklyn Nets. I could see the Brooklyn Nets being a situation, but I think long term, I think Jimmy Butler would, would like to stay in the Philadelphia area as a member of the 76ers. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the a lot of the chatter is blown up because of because of who he is. Um, and I, I don't think that the guys on this team get uh, get offended easily with him yelling when they're on the court and things of that nature. And, and you can just see his personality when he's, if he is on the bench or those couple games that he was out, that he's, he's laughing and joking with the, uh, the guys on the bench. And that's a good sign. I'm with it. All right, Brandon, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to jump on here, to break down the Sixers trade deadline. I'm going to put this out there for you. You're welcome to come back anytime you would like. I'd love that, man. Thank you for that open invitation. <laughs> you just just DM me, and I'll ha- I'll make a we'll get it together anytime. Let's do it, man. All right, thanks a lot, Brandon. My brother, have a good one. You too. Bye bye. Thanks again for listening, guys. I want to thank Brandon Robinson for jumping on, and look for our next podcast to drop in the next couple days. Unless something major happens, then we'll get an emergency pod out. Keep an eye out on the Pulse Podcast Network. For a lot of new podcasts on all major sports and team-specific pods, you can check out the app on the Apple Store or the Google Play Store. There's new merchandise up on on the app, so check it out. They're pretty cool things. And follow us on Twitter at 76ERSFO.